and welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by world-famous hair colourist Christophe Robin. Born in the French countryside, the now Paris-based Christophe Robin is the man we all have to thank for turning hair colour into a trend. Christophe began his career during the supermodel era of the 90s, a time when actresses and singers could really only dream of reaching the level of celebrity that the decade's supermodels had attained. Christophe is responsible for the hair colour of Elle McPherson, Claudia Schiffer and Linda Evangelista, and in fact Stephanie Seymour was one of Christophe's first ever clients. Now, as I listened to this recording back, I realised that when we were talking about Christoph's success, I mentioned that I don't believe in luck. And I really want to clarify that as I am actually of the belief that um, it would be ignorant to not believe in luck. I'm lucky to live in this country, to be healthy, to have health care, clean water, a roof over my head, food on the table, amongst so many other things. So what I meant to say was that while I believe in luck, I also believe that Christoph's success predominantly is the result of hard work and hard work is something that we often downplay. That hard work is what secured Christoph his first job with L'Oreal Paris at age 17 and a subsequent contract as a consultant and colour expert with the brand that is drawing to a close this year. Christophe has collaborated with the likes of Yves Saint Laurent, John Galliano and Albert Elbaz throughout his 30-year Fashion Week tenure and his namesake hair care brand is now stocked in over 30 countries worldwide. I caught up with Christophe during his most recent trip to Australia to talk about how social media has altered the way we define supermodels, why he's grown tired of the fashion industry and the reason why he's one of only few people at the helm of a brand who has never had to amend an old product formula. My first memory of beauty, I, it's funny because I was not surrounded by beauty at all. I grew up in a farm in the middle of nowhere in a little village of 160 people. My parents were farmers. And, uh, um, but, uh, so, you know, those women who worked in farm would not take too much care of themselves, mm-hmm. except on Sundays, because you had to drive 60 kilometers, which would be 40 miles, mm. to go to the first air salon. So it was not very accessible for the ladies, or for the yeah. girls who worked in farm. So they used to meet every Sundays, all the, 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 the girlfriends yes. in the kitchen, and they used to uh, color their hair, mm-hmm. to cut their hair, and uh, as a child, uh, the smell of the ammonia that was very strong at the mm-hmm. time, because I'm 47, so um, that was funny to see the transformation. So that mm-hmm. that, that was my first beauty memory mm-hmm. to see all of those ladies who, who were working on the farm, and all of a sudden on Sunday to see this transformation for me. That was a, so I always said to myself, that's what I want to do. That early on, you knew. I wanted to help the woman to to feel good and to look happy and beautiful. I love that. So it was at age 15, 1985, that you began your first apprenticeship. Actually, I was not even 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was 14. Might have been breaking the law. Yeah, yeah. No, (laughs) because you could be pre-apprentice. Ah, there you go. Yeah, before 15. And uh, uh, I walked into a salon in bar sur aube which mm-hmm. is a city in the Champagne area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and I, it was a real chance because that old uh, uh, woman called Dominique mm-hmm. uh, had uh, that, uh, that uh, caring uh, um, 
passion. Mm -hmm. uh, she was a colorist from the 60s and the product were very aggressive at the time. Right. And she always told me, you know, if you want to have a beautiful result, you have to take good care of her hair. Mm -hmm. And she really trained me into that artisan point of view. Because remember at the time, it was the beginning of the chains, mm -hmm. Jacques de Sange, Jean-Louis David, and their goal was to have techniques that were secure, fast, and economic, totally the opposite yes. of what I've learned and yeah. what she loved. Mm. You can't get away with that now. No. It's very different. True, true. What drew you to colour as opposed to cutting and styling? She's the one who oh. told me, uh, become a good hair colorist, you'll see. Your clients will be much more loyal than if you are a good hair stylist. She always said to me, Air stylists, you have a lot of them. They're all good. Yeah. Air colorists, you just have, have a few of them. So become a good air colorist and you'll see you earn your life. Ah, so a smart business decision, really. Yeah, yeah. And especially at the time, air color was not trendy at all. Um, air color it was before the age of the top model yes. uh, and, and the top models and the, 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 the air color was just to cover a few grays or to make you blonde but it was not something trendy at all so it was more of an essential than a, yeah, yeah. the accessory after it, it became now. yeah after it became trendy air mm. color and were there any lessons that you learned during that time that have still sort of stuck with you now? Always, mm -hmm. um, always. Like to take care of the hair before coloring it, during coloring it, and mm -hmm. after coloring it. Uh, wanted to make that moment uh, a kind of a happy moment. Usually when you have a product onto your head, you mm -hmm. feel it's an aggression. Yeah. When you go to the hair salon, you kind of feel for hair color, it's an aggression. So. Yeah to try to make it as a happy moment and to try to soothe the scalp to avoid itchiness. Mm -hmm. It's always something uh, uh, that was important to me. And still important today. Mm. So was it age 18 that you arrived in Paris? 17. 17, there we go. Yeah, 17. Yeah. I, and I even lied. And I gave <laughs> gave because I, I said I was 18 and I didn't give my paper for four months. Yeah. You know, because Sneaky. I was not even 18. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was sort of late 80s, early 90s, and that's when you mentioned the supermodel era. I feel like that's, that's when it was right. really at its... That's right. Yeah. Because after my apprentice time, I left and I went into Troyes, the biggest city. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Sorry about that. That Melbourne weather. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, when I arrived in Troyes, I worked for Jean-Louis David, that was a big yes. chain. And it was something in my head, because all of a sudden I believed what I learned was very old-fashioned, you mm -hmm. know, all of a sudden you had to be quick, as I said. Yeah. And the trainers uh, the, 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 of Jean-Louis David Paris came to Troyes to visit the mm -hmm. salon, and when they saw me, they said, don't waste your time here, come with us and work as a trainer in Paris at the Jean-Louis David Training Center. So I arrived in Paris right mm -hmm. away lied about my age for the first <laughs> four or five months. And uh, uh, Jean-Louis David had the best studio team at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was the beginning of the top models. And one of them, uh, Bruce, asked me to come and help him on a commercial for L'Oréal with Stéphanie Simon. Mm. And Stéphanie didn't want to color her hair at all. Really? No, because so they really were scared. it really trendy at the time. No, but remember even Claudia Schiffer, Tatiana Patitz, yeah. they all had their natural hair color. Linda Evangelista, they all had their natural yeah. color. Maybe with a few, few sun-kiss effect mm. made with the vodka and the lemon. <laughs> uh, but it was not... Uh, 
It was the beginning of the top models. Remember the pictures of Peter Lindbergh? And mm -hmm. they all had their natural colors. So Stephanie didn't want to do her hair, especially for L'Oreal commercial. You know how yeah. they are. How did you convince her? But, uh, it was like she was forced to do it anyway. <laughs> You know, by the by, um, by L'Oréal, mm. so she did it and she loved it. Ah. And that's funny because it was like a snowball. Uh, uh, do you say that in English? Yes. A snowball? yes. Uh, because right away uh, she gave my name to your famous Ella McPherson. Yes. And after I, you know, in six months I was doing all the top models. That's incredible. That would have been. I mean, just rewinding a bit. That would have been a huge culture shock as well. Suddenly you're from this a farm, and then moving to Paris at 17 and suddenly you're working with... To be honest with you, I, I had no idea of who those people were. That's probably better because you wouldn't have been starstruck. Yeah. And I'm lucky because I worked with the biggest one right away. Mm -hmm. The biggest photographs such as Jean-Baptiste Mondino, Peter Lindbergh. Uh, I worked with makeup artists such as Linda Cantelo. Mm. Uh, and... You know, it's always the same. The bigger they are, the nicer they are. So uh, nice. they helped me, you know, the little country boy I was. <laughs> uh, they really helped me. And I remember conversations with uh, Linda Cantelo. She was saying to me, you know, don't be too technical. Because mm. uh, in terms of highlight, if you're too technical, if you do them, you know, every centimeter, yeah. you're going to lose the contrast. You have to break your techniques. And uh, I learned a lot uh, through that uh, time too to have a more photographic result. Mm -hmm. It sounds almost like you had to unlearn and then start mm -hmm. again from scratch. Yeah, but it's like, in, you know, it's like uh, uh, for music, you really have to have the good bases, mm -hmm. you know, like in jazz to, to be yes. able to do crazy things. They teach you that with dance as well, to be a good yeah. like hip hop dancer. They right, make you do right, right. I digress. So <laughs> at that time, supermodel had a very different meaning to what it does now. Supermodels were the celebrities obviously that industry has changed but beauty has changed a lot as well what are some of the differences that you've seen in how women approached hair color in the early 90s as opposed to now Bon, we played too much in the early 90s, ah. but it's always a cycle. It's coming back, especially thanks to the social medias, Instagram, yes. as it's so visual. Yeah. Uh, you saw a lot of purple, blue, pink and all oh. of that. Um, so it's always a cycle and it's always coming back. Uh, but uh, uh, at the time, it was a joy because, as you said, the supermodels were the big stars mm. on the cover of every magazine. Household names. They pushed... Uh, the actresses on yes. the side they were very jealous the actresses <laughs> and even though the actresses were not changing their hair color at all at mm. the time and cause of the top or thanks of the top mm. model, to the top models they started to embrace their color and to change their color those changes that you were doing for Elle McPherson Linda Evangelista and so on were they big hair changes or were they just sort of huge subtle? huge yeah. Huge. Uh, there were girls uh, who were not really work, you know, who were not, they were particular because they changed their hair color, such as Sybil Burke, Nadia yes. Wehrman. All of a sudden, they became top models. I think that's the case now as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah, get the right yeah, hair color. Yeah. Why do you think you're obviously very popular amongst that top tier clientele? What do you think it was about your approach that made you the go to? Caring, I believe. Mm -hmm long-term results yeah um because you know if a girl comes and says i want to be platinum 
there's yeah. going to be a lot of conversation about that. Yes. Will you look good? It Do you know then happen. it's going to affect the quality of your hair? Yeah. It's bad for your scalp. Uh, when you will want to go back to your natural color, you're going to have to uh, you know, suffer for six months. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a real conversation. I'm never lying to them. I always tell them what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I believe, I believe like I'm caring so much for the quality of the hair, I don't do stupid things. Yes. Like, even for celebrities, like if it's for a movie, um, I'm going to tell them all what's going to happen, how it's going to be, blah, blah, blah. But for a regular woman, I'm not going to do it because... Yeah. You know, no. it's too much to pay on to your hair after. Uh, so I'm trying to be very honest. That's so important, I think. I think with anything in beauty. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Um, it was 1995, am I right, that you started your own salon? I was 24, so I'm 47 now. This is so. a lot so early on to have moved to Paris, opened yeah. your own salon by 24. Yeah, yeah. What made you think, I can go out on my own now? Because there, hair color was always an accessory to hair salon. Mm-hmm. Eden on the ground or in a bad light. And right. I didn't believe in that so much. So uh, I used to, to, to do the color at home for all those girls mm-hmm. very late at night on Sundays. And so I thought it would be time to have my proper space to do it. Mm-hmm. Now... <coughs> I'm probably going to pronounce the name wrong, but you've credited Catherine Deneuve for transforming your entire career. Can you tell me a bit about that? Bon, Catherine Deneuve is the queen of France. <laughs> you know, she's the queen of France. Mm. Um, and um, one night she had dinner with uh, Claudia Schiffer uh-huh. at a party, whatever. Just another small name. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Catherine went to Claudia Schiffer and said, you know, I have problems with my blonde since the Carita sister are, yeah. are gone. Where do you go? Your blonde is beautiful. And Claudia ah. said, go to Christophe Robin. And it's true that uh, all of a sudden when Catherine Deneuve came, mm-hmm. all of the other actresses came, such as... Uh, Vanessa Paradis, Christine Scott Thomas, wow. of English Patient, that we turn into blonde. Uh, uh, so that's funny. Even now, she's mm. 75 years old and everybody's following what she's doing. I am. She's incredible. She is. You know, can't pronounce a mm. French name. No, you were good. <laughs> I gave it a go. Um, so that, you know, that's obviously opened a few doors and I feel like timing-wise we've talked about how supermodels were these celebrities but then as that was happening, you timed that well because that was when the actresses were coming back to Exactly, the I'm a lucky boy, huh? Mm. Yeah, I'm a very lucky boy. Oh, I don't know that I believe in luck, I think it's just hard work. I believe in luck. Oh, for go. sure you have to be, for sure you have to be a, a hard worker and especially for a long-term career mm-hmm. um, um, and, and yes I think luck can get you the foot in the door but it's exactly won't keep you but around. I believe in luck there you go. and you have to thank the luck all the oh, time yes now it wasn't long after that again all of this happened in really quick succession it wasn't too long after that that you launched your namesake hair care brand I actually I, at first, I did this product for my own usage. Yeah. I always had contracts uh, as a consultant for mm-hmm. big brands. So mm-hmm. I always had the chance to work with labs. Yeah. And at the time, of uh, that was 25 years ago, uh, I wanted to have caring products because there were a lot of great products on the market for dry hair. Remember, Gosh. at the time, there was a lot of new formulation based mm-hmm. on polymer and silicone and... 
instant uh, effect product. Yeah. Um, if we go back to the story, people used to come once a or twice a week into a salon to get a blow dry, a curler, yeah. whatever. And they used to keep their hair clean all week. But thanks to this formulation mm -hmm. made based on polymer or silicone, you could wash your hair alone at home, yeah. dry it by itself, and it became a, a straight, a mm -hmm. tuba, no more volume. Uh, but um, these formulation are coating the hair, but they're coating the scalp. And all of a sudden, you had to wash your hair much more often. Gosh. Uh, exactly. Um, so where was I? Where was I? Uh, so I did this product yeah. at first uh, to balance the aggressivity of, mm -hmm. uh, of, uh, of, of the hair color. And the first two products I did that the formulation never changed. And, yeah. and I love them. If I should keep two products out of all of my products mm -hmm. in terms of caring, uh, for color there would be my lavender oil uh -huh. and the cleansing mask with lemon. So they were uh, some of the first products. They were launched. the two first products I Incredible. did. And everybody told me, you're crazy. The Cleansing Max with Lemon was the first non-lavering shampoo, the first no-poo. Yeah. Uh, and everybody told me, you're nuts, you know, because it <laughs> takes 10 minutes to wash your hair. You have to put a pre-shampoo treatment mm -hmm. all night or a few hours before. It will never work. And at first I said, I don't care. I just <laughs> do it for me, for my own usage. Yeah. And as everybody was talking about the top models or, you know, what product they were using, mm -hmm. we started to have a lot of press with these two products. Mm -hmm. Colette, it was a trendy store in Paris yes. that just closed. Yes, they had uh, the most incredible magazine wall aside. Yeah, them. yeah, they were so mm. cool. And they had the beauty corner yes. and they took my product. And as everybody wanted what was at Colette, that's how I started the distribution of the product. Mm -hmm. So how does the process of formulating a new product work for you? How long does it take from conceptualizing it through to it being ready? It can be very fast as mm -hmm. it can be very, very long. Right. Uh, it depends. Mm -hmm. It depends. It truly depends. Um, some of them could be eight years. Some of them could really? be three months. There you go. How yeah. long do you think those first ones took? Oh, they were quick. They were very quick because I had the clear idea of what I wanted. Right. I wanted a vegetable oil mm -hmm. because there is nothing better to restore the elasticity, elasticity of the hair to avoid the breakage, mm -hmm. to avoid porosity. Yeah. So, but we had to use nature, but to use a little bit of chemistry. This one is 97% mm -hmm. natural. Wow. We had to use a little chemistry to shake the molecule to make them a little thinner. Mm -hmm. Because when they're too thick, if you put onto your hair olive oil or argan oil, yeah. the lipidics are so thick that they take a while to get inside your yes. hair. And when they do, they remove the artificial pigments. Yeah. So I wanted uh, uh, the best of nature, mm -hmm. like, you know, the lipidics, mm -hmm. but I could not have an oil that would dissolve or remove the artificial mm -hmm. color. So, but no, 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 those ones were kind of uh, quick, I was maybe a year development, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and the formulation never changed since that. I think that's incredible that the formula hasn't changed. Yeah, no. I, you know, it drives me crazy when you like a product and you go into the store, oh, we change, or oh, we change the formulation. New formula. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because people sometimes they launch the product because they have to launch the product, that's how they do the money. Yeah. But one year after, they realize that it was not the proper formulation, so they mm -hmm. change it. I never do that. I take the time. But when we launch a product, we're sure it's going to be there forever. And we never want to create a, 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 
a problem. Yes. We want to solve a problem each mm -hmm. time, such as my sea salt scrub or the Rasul yeah. clay. They're truly a, 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 a game changer product. Mm -hmm. And how do you go about sourcing and selecting the ingredients? I know you mentioned. Alors, old grandmother natural. recipe, yeah. like the sea salt, it was something I would always use to avoid allergies, post-color, mm -hmm. or to remove the residues of the chemistry left into the scalp. So that's, a, that's something you use since hundreds of years. Yeah. If you look into the books of the old herborists, mm -hmm. they used to heal the scalp and the scalp issues. Uh, with uh, with sea salt, rasoul, rasoul yeah. is something that you use in Morocco since hundreds of years mm. uh, to to lock the pores of the skin, to remove the sebum, to remineralize mm. the skin and the hair. So, they're simple uh, ingredients. Truly, I believe in history. simple. I believe in simple ingredients. I don't believe in. Uh, And I see formulation, the more you put into the formulation, the more they fight with each other, these ingredients, mm. and the less is active. I think in beauty, it's so easy to go too hard with the ingredients. I feel like there's a lot of strength in restraint. Yeah, true. People believe the more you have ingredients, the more it's going to effective. Mm. It's, it's, it's not true. It's like food. Yes. You know, yeah. when you put too much thing, you lose the flavor of it. Mm. And your hair and your body can't take it. Mm. Now you mentioned, I don't know if we were actually recording when you mentioned this, but your the beginning of your collaboration with L'Oreal was when you were 17, didn't When you I was 17, yeah. How yeah. did that come about? Eh ben, they called me to do uh, Stephanie Simo's hair. So that was the first one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh. after I used to color all of their girls for uh, their advertisement. And mm -hmm. I always worked a little bit as cons a consultant for them. Mm -hmm. And after they gave me a contract as a colorist expert uh, to develop their color for mass long market, <laughs> yeah, yeah, long, longest lasting contract with uh, with uh, Andy McDowell. Amazing. Uh, but I'm ending mm. the contract at the end of the year. End of the year. It's sad. It's sad because uh, I love them and I loved working with them. It, it, I gave them a lot, but they gave me a lot too. Mm. Because all of a sudden, I had to find ideas for uh, Norway, such as uh, Mexico, yeah. such as, uh, uh, you know, different parts of the world. And they're all different, all mm. of those needs. And to work with, a you know, it was like driving a Ferrari because the labs, the marketing, yeah. it was fun to work with them. I really like them. It's funny that you say that because I spoke to Ray Morris, who was the makeup director for 10 years, and she was said something similar in that you have so many resources to work with that you can turn something into a trend really yeah yeah what were some of the biggest learnings that you took from that time being a global company with most uh, unlimited uh, resources no Uh, do you know what's the best seller product in terms of color in Sweden? No. In Sweden, the dark shades. Really? Yeah, because they're all so washed out. You know, yeah, everything is okay. so white yeah. that they go darker. Ah. And in Mexico, it's all the lifting products, hmm. and the lifting products that doesn't turn brassy. Yeah. 
yeah. because when you are very dark and you go lighter, it turns always a little reddish. So, no, that's fun to work with them. I'm going to miss them. Oh, I'm still going to help sometimes, I'm sure. <laughs> they won't be able to get rid of you. You'll be in there helping yeah, out. Yeah. Now, we've talked a bit about your impressive resume, but we haven't talked about is Fashion Week, which you've done your fair share of. How did you approach runway colour as opposed to colour for the everyday woman and then comparing that to for the screen or for a mm. photo shoot? Mm. Fashion Week, I can't take it anymore, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, it's 30 years, and in, you know, when I used to work for Yves Saint Laurent, and all of a mm. sudden we decided for the couture to do all the girls in crazy colors. Uh, uh, I have lovely memories of that. Um, but recently, you know, there are some designers who say, I want fried hair. You know, they should be fried. So you have these poor girls oh. who arrive from Croatia, Russia, Ukraine, don't speak English. They never oh did God, a color onto hair. their hair and you have to bleach them and fry it. And when you talk to them and you say, you know, I can't fry it. Why don't you use a little pin and, you know, try to make yeah. a, 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 a fried look instead of frying. No, 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 fry them. So you have those girls who are in tears into your, arm, into your hands. I can't do that. I no. can't do that. Oh. Uh, and plus fashion became... I don't want to sound old, but there are a few <laughs> like Jacques Mus or those people who are mm. c- cool and yeah. and and uh, Dries Van Noten and they respect women, they love yes. women, and they want to bring out something beautiful out mm. of them. Uh, but when it's just an image thing, I can't take it anymore, and yeah. I have a chance to say no now. Yeah, that's to say I don't want to do that. You know, it's boring, and I, I don't like it. So. I think social media probably plays a part with that as well because they just want to have one backstage image that goes viral and that's Exactly. No, there are still people I love to work for, such as John Galliano for Marta Margiela. Mm. Bon, unfortunately, Albert Elbaz now doesn't have a brand yes. that is coming back. But there are still some I adore and I'm willing to work for. The other, I did it. It's over. I did it. I much rather work, you know, for singers who have to express... Uh, mm. a message because uh, or for a movie director or, but uh, the, uh, truly fashion I'm fed up with fashion because it became um, it became an industry I don't like anymore I understand that I used to work as a fashion mm. writer and I mm. did the shift what are some of the biggest not necessarily celebrity but the biggest hair transma- transformations sorry that you've had a hand in Oh, Tilda Swinton, it's always ah. uh, somebody fun to work with because her skin and her eyes adapt to everything yeah. and we went to every kind of colors. Um, um, uh, let's say, let's say, um, uh, let's say, Natasha Poli when she yes. goes from blonde to black, that was for Givenchy, that was something fun. She's another one that can take any yeah, hair color, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Leticia Casta, when she, yes. uh, well, Leticia Casta, when she went blonde to become mm-hmm. uh, uh, Brigitte Bardot into a Gainsbourg movie. Mm-hmm. Even Catherine Deneuve, she went brunette uh, three times for movies. Ah. Nobody even see when she changed her hair color. It's kind of frustrating. <laughs> because she's so uh, such a blonde for everybody, yeah. and even if she comes as a brunette, nobody sees it. So she's never kept the hair after she's no, finished filming. No, no. <coughs> on an actress, it's very easy to change and to transform her hair Gosh. color. On a regular woman, if you change just a teeny bit, she's not gonna like it. That's uh, I believe you know when 
air transformation, it's fun for an actress, a singer, or whatever. Mm. But in real life, I believe after 30 years old, you can play with different air color when you're younger. But after 30 yeah. years old, you should find your color, stick to it. Yeah. And after 50 years old, if you're still around your hair color, you mm -hmm. should try to make it, uh, you know, to be flattering for your features, for your skin. Mm -hmm. When you're getting older, you have sometimes a little bit of dark circles, yeah. little stains. So try to make something a little golder, beigier, mm -hmm. for it to be flattering onto your skin. I want to talk more about your brand because at last count, I think you're sold in something like 30 countries all over the world. And of oui. course, Australia is one of them. And, that's yeah. things in large and I'm so happy. Yes, we're excited. That's So that's with Adore Beauty. That's thanks in large part to them. How have you found the Australian approach to hair colour and hair care is different from the rest of the world? It evolved a lot since the last five years I'm coming here. Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot. They used to not care too much about their hair. Uh, they used to do a lot of bleach, a lot of highlight. Yeah. I see uh, more and more natural color. Mm -hmm. And I see uh, that people uh, are willing to learn much more about scalp care mm -hmm. and hair care. So it's a, a great moment for a brand like ours to be in, uh, yes. in, uh, in, in Australia. While we're on the Australian market, the whole... I guess reason for this trip is because you are launching the temporary hair gel right. and that's being launched into Australia which is an Adore Beauty exclusive. Temporary hair color. There was hair. nothing on the market like that for a girl mm. like you who like her natural hair yeah. color. What are you going to do? I've done blonde. I've done all of them. Right. So you're to, done. Yeah. Voilà, you're done. <laughs> we all, me too. Me too. I, all, I, I did it all. What are you going to do when you're going to have your first grays? You like mm -hmm. your hair color. You don't want the heavy maintenance of the regrowth. Mm -hmm. You don't. You want to keep the natural contrast of your hair. You don't want the aggression onto your scalp with the chemistry. Yeah. So that tool, that this temporary uh, color gel, mm -hmm. is just a tool to cover your first grays oh, with that chemistry, mm. with that uh, ugly regrowth. It's going to age in a beautiful way. It's going to last between five to eight shampoos. Mm -hmm. You're going to apply it with a brush onto your gray strands all over yeah. and it's truly something fun to play with to avoid heavy maintenance and to avoid brassiness mm. so it's that easy so once i got <coughs> my first gray pardon once i spot my first gray i'll stop crying and then voilà. you'll have, you have something to play with yeah perfect what would you say from your range of the real heroes or the core products Alors, I have my beloved one and I have the best sellers. Yeah. Uh, my beloved one are the first one I was yes, telling you about, the lavender oil and the cleansing mask with lemon. Truly for bleached hair, blonde hair, highlighted hair, that's something you should do once a week. Yeah. The prickly pear seed oil mask is truly a great mask. Uh -huh. uh, that oil, I found it in Morocco. And when I came back to the lab saying we should do something out of that oil, they mm. say you're crazy, it's a thousand euro the liter. Mm. It's very artisanal you can't find it and that mask nobody beats us with that mask and it's okay. something you can put onto your scalp too mm -hmm. and that's for all hair types uh, all hair type yeah Amazing. the sea salt scrub is a game changer everybody's playing so much with dry shampoos tiny yeah. product their scalp is disgusting yeah. and plus it's becoming <laughs> greasy and you have to mm. know that greasy scalp is one of the first cause of hair loss yeah 
So okay. you have to fight against that, and the sea salt scrub is a great one to do that. Verasul mm-hmm. clay for men. Do you have a lot of men listening to you, to your postcard? But all the girls, if your yes. boyfriend have a thin hair, oily scalp, and it's falling apart a little mm-hmm. bit, that rasul clay for men is a game changer too. No, I love all of the products we're it's doing like because. Child, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> What colour trends can we expect? You know, we're coming into the summer in Australia and then obviously the holiday season globally. What are some colour trends we can expect to see over the coming months? This I don't know because... They are, they are, <laughs> Can't predict it. No, you have no trends anymore. Thanks to the yeah. social medias, everybody embrace their personality and mm-hmm. everybody express their personality, whether it's crazy or very natural. Yeah. No, the only thing I believe... Uh, is coming back in every country as I go to is comfort. Right. That's funny, but comfort, yeah. they don't want to have... When they do go blonde, they like to keep the roots because like this, they don't have to do it yeah. so often. Uh, and they keep the roots because they don't want to have the product onto their scalp. Yeah. And they want long maintenance. Yes. Uh, they want to have That's peace and comfort. So yeah. my product are, are right into that those targets, you know, to, to have... Comfort scalp, comfort hair, long-lasting color. Perfect. What are some of the major mistakes that you often see with colored hair, apart from, you know, wanting to go platinum in it? No, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Two hours. Some people, they want to be somebody else. It, does, yeah. it doesn't work. It doesn't work, you know. Stay true to yourself. Stay around what you are and try to enhance it. But don't go into crazy, uh, uh, crazy... Uh, um, something totally different doesn't work and for sure it's like you know it's like with makeup a lot of people are saying my makeup doesn't hold onto my skin because Mm. your skin is dry so same thing for hair when your hair is fried the color will never hold so take Mm -hmm. good care of your hair and you'll have a long lasting color are there any hair care commandments like rules to live by (coughs) sorry about the coughing oh do not apologize the the yeah once a week sleep with my lavender oil uh, mm-hmm. because it's truly something that's going to make your hair thick and strong and unbreakable mm-hmm. and your color will last much longer and uh, that's not just colored hair either i think just environmental yeah, damage is such a big for, thing that's as well. for sure hydration because you always think of moisture moisture yeah. moisture help me <laughs> Help me with that one. You always think of moisturizing, yes, but not of hydration. Yeah. And uh, we, hydration is key. We have a line made out of aloe vera, and we have mm-hmm. a mist every day. You should put that mist onto your hair to keep the hydration. The same as how you know people mist yeah, their skin. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, thirty countries, an unbelievable resume of celebrity clients, countless fashion weeks. What can we expect next? Uh, I have <laughs> I wish no I could idea. See the face. I have no idea because I'm not. I'm not somebody that's uh, 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 planning the mm. future. Uh, I embrace the present each time. Uh, that's for sure. And uh, we'll see where it goes. But we always keep that same ethic mm-hmm. of uh, making products that's gonna last forever and that's gonna help women to have more comfort and more lasting, long-lasting results. That was Christophe Robin, celebrity hair colorist and founder of his namesake hair care brand, who you can find on Instagram at Christophe Robin Paris or online at Christophe-Robin.com. 
To read my interview with Christoph, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us and join the Glow Journal family. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.